I'm Cutter Calloway, and today we're breaking the marriage idol with Debbie Yu and Marsha Lee. Trust behind a sort of guidance, smother manipulated honey from Both Debbie and Marsha work at Fuller, have terminal degrees in theology, and contributed substantively to the Breaking the Marriage Idol project. I thought it would be interesting to have the two of you uh, speak because we both, you know, had conversations prior, individually, and then sort of together, and then I know the two of you have talked um, in a number of, of different contexts about kind of what unites you, um, and and a big part of what we've been doing in the book and these other resources is really getting at the kind of localized stories of people um, and how their unique situation uh, in life uh, uh, confronts them with various different pressure, different kinds of pressures, but specifically when it comes to marriage and singleness, um, that we all have kind of a common thread of, of angst or anxiety that, that's handed to us. But at the same time, we have really unique ways in which this uh, uh, forces itself upon us in some ways. So you both happen to be, <clears throat> and this isn't the whole of who you are, but um, single uh, Asian American women um, who are over a certain age. Uh, I will just leave that age unnamed. Uh, if you want to name it, you can. Um, and so because of that, you share some some things in common uh, that I thought would be interesting to talk about, in part because I think a lot of people bring to this conversation those uniquenesses and might think I'm the only one, right? Like I'm the only person that deals with this. So on the one hand, we want to celebrate what's unique, but the, but at the same time say, here's some commonalities that, that others have. So I wonder if, if each of you, whoever can start, um, whoever wants to, but um, could maybe just sketch out, here is this story that I inherited from my church community specifically about marriage and singleness. What what? How would you describe that story as a whole uh, when it comes to your specific location in life? Maybe, Debbie, you can start. Mm-hmm. Well, marriage, it was kind of a given, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. In, you know, you, whenever you, growing up, mom and dad was always, when you get married, when you get older, you go to college and then you get married, was the kind of order of life. Um, and then once you add in the Christian spirituality to it, you know, then the Genesis 1 to 3 story becomes... Mm-hmm. Well, not just because you're a good human being, but because you're a good Christian, hmm. you then need to follow the whole Genesis 1-3 mandate mm-hmm. of get married, be fruitful, multiply. Mm-hmm. And then you add in the whole, it becomes really complex and kind of convoluted sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, then you add in the whole like Confucian hierarchy mm-hmm. of <laughs> the order of the universe is, you know, the sun, the moon, the man is at the top. And then, of mm-hmm. course, if there's a man at the top, there has to be a woman right below him. Mm-hmm. So so that is explicitly mm-hmm. part of Confucian thought is the sure. man is mm-hmm. the top. Sure. That, oh, yeah, yeah. The Korean saying is, is uh, the man is the sun. Hmm. The woman is the moon. She reflects his light. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a woman, you got to reflect something mm-hmm. and you obviously don't have your own eye. This is a really negative way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the way that I heard it as a child was you really don't have an identity of yourself to yeah. reflect. You really do need to reflect your man. In fact, my mother at one point when she was telling, she was talking to me about life and, you know, God's call in my life. My mom specifically said, mm-hmm. your call and goal in life is to be a helper for your brother's ministry because mm-hmm. he's been called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until much later in life, like in my 30s, that my mom decided while I was overseas in mission, oh, actually, maybe God does have a calling for you huh. apart from your brother. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. I don't blame her for it. It's yeah. kind of her own, you know, <coughs> Korean, Asian thinking yeah. of the woman can never be mm-hmm. alone, have mm-hmm. her own identity. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's overly negative. I mean, if you are a moon to someone else's sun, sure. you're literally a sort of cold, dark mm. rock, you know, floating <laughs> out in the middle of space until, oh, the, luckily I'm, I, I have the light, you know, yeah. cast upon me and I can be beautiful. And, and that's interesting. Yeah. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, Marsha, what about you? Well, in my family, I, w- I didn't grow up in a very devout Christian family because my father wasn't until more recently, actually, a Christian. Um, but I think, again, that Confucian overlay in the church community, that just emphasizes the hierarchy, like Debbie was saying. And, um, you know, I think there was this 
assumption you would get married. Um, it's weird because you don't date, right? Like if you're a good Christian, you don't date, but then they expect you to get married all of a sudden. So you have no like experience with the opposite sex or, you know, uh, or dating or anything like that, even though we read all those books. You know, yeah, like yeah. I Kissed Dating Goodbye, Elizabeth Elliot's Passion and Purity. Mm-hmm. Like I read all of those things <laughs> as a kid. Um, so we had a bookshelf lined up. Um, I think I think in the church specifically, I remember um, being critiqued a lot to my face, like, oh, you know, you should go on a diet. Hmm. And then, oh, you know, I can get rid of that. I have this birthmark on the side hmm. of my face, like, oh, I can remove that for you. Hmm. So it was all hmm. an attempt to make me prettier externally, I think, hmm. or to like kind of fix me so that I was more presentable, hmm. you know? Because um, it's like, oh, we can fix that. <laughs> you know, you can fix hmm. that and be more eligible, I guess. That was the kind of the assumption I was going on. Um, yeah, I think, I don't think I could ever aspire to be a pastor. I think that was a new concept to me after I left hmm. home to go to college. Um, all The highest I could aspire to is, if I did want to be in ministry, yeah. was to be a pastor's wife. Hmm. And if you're, I think there was more freedom, though, for someone like my aunt, who was a missionary overseas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then, then she could preach mm-hmm. and do all these other things, yeah. but they wouldn't actually call it that. But it's hmm. funny how... She was the one that was writing all the newsletters and yeah, stuff, yeah. and I just saw more freedom in her life outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. when her and her husband went off to be missionaries huh. in like Mongolia and places mm-hmm. like that. So, so in terms of, uh, so in, in some ways, it sounds like you're saying there's the just basic gender uh, roles or classical mm-hmm. gender roles that you're struggling with, but then also I hadn't thought about this, but marriage becomes in some way like the the highest peak that you can get to. So if you mm-hmm. wanted to be in ministry, for example, some mm-hmm. form of role marriage also is the only way to do that because then you become yeah. the pastor's wife mm-hmm. otherwise you're excluded uh, mm-hmm. from that as well that's wow mm-hmm. I, hadn't, I hadn't actually thought I mean, you could be part. like a youth pastor or yeah. children's director like yeah. they would never give you the pastor role yeah, yeah. or you could be like a worship leader yeah. or like but that was the highest I could even see my own aunt in yeah. my church when she was working yeah. at my church she only could make it to youth director hmm. and then she's probably a better speaker than some of these guys but that's, was she married or single? At, at that time, time, she was married. Uh, she might have been actually. She might have been single at that point because I remember she was a little old for her yeah. age at the time too. And you, so. do you think it was some of both that it was more that she was a woman and your church wouldn't allow that, mm-hmm. or that she was a single woman? And, I both. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would think because um, that that seems to be kind of like a double whammy for mm-hmm. single women in mm-hmm. particular. Mm-hmm. Is that <laughs> which which thing is in play here? Is mm-hmm. it that you don't um, you know fully affirm my gifts as a woman, mm-hmm. or is it that you have hesitations about a single person leading mm-hmm. in these sort of capacities. Mm-hmm. And so you get all these weird things like missionaries that are doing everything that any mm-hmm. minister would do, but you're called, uh, I don't know what you're called. Mm-hmm. The, the church I worked at, we had a women's director mm-hmm. and then we had the pastoral staff. Mm-hmm. And my main concern was, well, I had lots of concerns, <laughs> but one, I'm like, why, did that, why isn't she called a pastor? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, we were at an interdenominational church and um, so there was no like set ordination requirement for or against women, mm-hmm. but the de facto thing was she wasn't perceived even in her title as a pastor, but she did everything, if not more than any of the men pastors on staff. Um, and she also wasn't allowed, quote unquote, allowed to have our emergency pastoral response mm-hmm. uh, stuff. So we would mm-hmm. share, it was a pretty large church, we would share and we'd have a week at a time mm-hmm. if someone called emergency and she wouldn't have it. And I'm like, you know, I'm fine in sort of emergent situations or meeting, but you know, like I'd meet people in the, in the, in the NICU and you know, it's like mm-hmm. um, one infant has just died and the other mm-hmm. twin is on life support. And it's like, sure seems like a mom mm-hmm. would actually be a great presence yeah. here that I could never provide, <laughs> but she's not a pastor, so she's not allowed into those mm-hmm. spheres. So um, it's really fascinating to see the ways that both explicitly and implicitly um, we're, we're forcing that onto people. You know, the converse is also true, yeah. in, in my opinion. Like, from my experience watching pastors, it's the man who is called to ministry, mm-hmm. and they're, so they're ordained mm-hmm. as a pastor. But in a Korean church setting, it's assumed that the wife is Part co-partner of with yeah. him. Oh, interesting. And okay. so if she isn't at the yeah. church meetings, if mm-hmm. she isn't serving mm-hmm. on committees and getting <laughs> lunches and dinners ready, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with her. Uh, yeah, right. and it wasn't until maybe within the last 10 years that I began to think to myself, 
No, it's his calling. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. need to be involved yeah. in it, but in that Asian mindset, yeah. she's always that moon mm-hmm. figure that's mm-hmm. constantly having oh, wow. his adjunct. So, yeah. yeah. So you're not called and you're prevented from doing it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're expected to fulfill mm-hmm. all of the, the right. duties and obligations. When they hire the man, yeah. they hire the wife. Oh, yeah. 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 It's that's this, interesting. It's a, it's a dual package. You know, I mean, there's a similar analogy in um, sort of non Asian churches, the ones I've been in, and, and I've, I just learned from my parents, who are both, mm-hmm. my dad was a church planner. And, and I watched them in terms of how to pretty clearly set. So I would go in if I ever interviewed, and I would actually name it. And I would say, mm-hmm. just so you know, you're not hiring my wife. She'll mm-hmm. find, <laughs> she will find the space. Yeah, she'll find the, the the ministry or the space that she wants to invest in. And, you know, um, she's a wonderful woman. We'll be happy to have her. But there's no, like, you don't, it's not both of us. But that's a sort of privilege I have mm-hmm. as the male walking into that mm-hmm. right. um, and a sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, a white male non-ethnic church mm-hmm. um, to be able to sort of state that mm-hmm. um, whereas I can't imagine mm-hmm. you know a Korean pastor or his wife feeling comfortable mm-hmm. going in and saying that at all especially if you're being hired as like an associate pastor yeah right? yeah because you know they say this is a kind of a tangent but they say like Korean airplanes used to down more crash huh. more than other airplanes uh, because of the whole losing face and hierarchy Mm. Like a huh. co-pilot couldn't yeah. tell the pilot, actually, I think we need to do something else. Oh, wow. And so because huh. instead of correcting it, the yeah. plane would actually crash. Huh. And oftentimes when a, an associate pastor is being hired by a senior mm-hmm. pastor, an associate pastor can't ha- go to the senior pastor yeah. and say something like what you yeah. just said about, yeah. I've just got to set limitations for my wife. Yeah. You just have to do, you have to mm-hmm. maintain face and huh. honor the church. Mm-hmm. It's a weird... Huh. Yeah, and if you even give a hint of mm-hmm. insubordination or something, they probably won't even hire you, you right. know, much less keep you on. Yeah. Wow, that's that's pretty fascinating. So um, do you think then, so as you think of those sort of expectations, is it is it more a part of sort of the evangelical subculture? Because, you know, I'm seeing some, some similarities, mm-hmm. even though I've never pastored or even attended a Korean church, mm-hmm. um, and I myself am not Korean. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it more the evangelical subculture or more the uh, uniqueness of, of sort of Asian American culture? Or is it just a, an interesting mix of both that, that presents um, these sort of issues? Marsha? <laughs> it's just like the way I was raised. So I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, anything yeah. else. Yeah, and yeah, so I want to say yes, <laughs> that it's both. Because I mean, I can totally connect with people who are not raised in a Korean or Asian American setting. and. There's a lot of similarities, but I mean, I was trying to think of the uniqueness about our particular upbringing or mine. Um, and I think for me, and this is where my family gets involved, we're yeah. a reflection of our family, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. our status, whether it's our occupation, what kind of school you went to, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it either reflects well or poorly on my parents, right? So mm-hmm. if I don't get married, oh, what, how come she can't, you yeah. know, why can't her parents, like, do they not raise her right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of that going on, which I don't see as much in other cultures. Maybe it's true, though, but I felt that was uniquely my situation, that if I didn't do this, then it's going to make my folks look bad or my mm-hmm. family look bad to the mm-hmm. rest of the community because mm-hmm. they're like, why can't she... What's wrong with her? You know, like why is she? Because the broader cultural expectations are, yeah. you of course would be married if yeah. you could be, if there wasn't something yeah. wrong. Yeah, there is. There, you know, is there something we don't know? Because it's such a tight knit yeah. community too, especially growing up on the East Coast, where there's not as many Koreans around. You know, so everybody knows each mm-hmm. other's business. Mm-hmm. You know, and my mom's one of the queen bees. Like she knows everybody. <laughs> so she's like, so she's thinking that like even more so than maybe other people are. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that was always kind of difficult. Yeah. Mm. Debbie, have you ever thought that, like, maybe even just thinking, um, uh, so Asian American friends or Korean friends of yours that um, didn't grow up in the church or didn't have, did, do they deal with the same, is it the same thing, but they just, not the added pressure of Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> or the Genesis model, mm-hmm. or is it somehow different um, if you're not also a part of that evangelical subculture? I don't know. It's, it, I think it's generational too, but mm-hmm. that first, <clears throat> excuse me, the first and the second generation immigrant Mm -hmm. generation it's hard to separate western evangelical church from the korean american Mm. 
it's like you come to America, you need to find community. So yeah. one mm-hmm. of the few places you go yeah. to is church. Yeah. And so I think it's deeply embedded. So I don't know that you can yeah. separate yeah. kind of Western evangelical culture from mm-hmm. Korean American culture. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's one way or another. Maybe it's different for the, the younger generations, mm-hmm. but especially the first and second. Well, so as you then think about your own identities, um, mm-hmm. and at least Marsha, I know you're big into the Neogram. Are you also? Yeah. Big? Okay, oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> I I confess I know virtually nothing except for what Marsha's taught me. Um, <laughs> what am, what am I? What I don't. I, you have you, to know what you are. Oh, I have to know what I am. <laughs> I can't. I want you to tell me. But. No. <laughs> um, well, uh, th- but but what I see in that, in, in any of the sort of like personality inventories, is is people trying to kind of unpack uh, who they are, wh- how their families have shaped mm-hmm. them, um, their their own personalities and sensibilities. Um, what have you sort of found helpful in that? process of kind of coming to know yourself, coming to know how your unique uh, situatedness has shaped your imagination, your views of marriage and singleness. Um, Can you say a little bit about how that's been actually helpful for you? Um, Because that's some of what we're doing here is just Mm -hmm. making, uh, naming the things that are always in play, but that we don't always think about have really shaped us. So, Mm -hmm. so why is that helpful for you? I mean, I'm an oldest child too, so I was the first. (laughs) So I always think kids who are the first kind of get a lot of... um, I get. I think my parents probably worry about me more than they do my other siblings, and so. But I think perfection was deeply in, ingrained in me. Like you have to be this, you know, and do this right. And and I remember the mantra in my head was, "Oh, it's never good enough." Like so, I think there's this deep sense of like lack. Um, I mean, yeah, and you know, I'm the daughter of an an oldest child, so I think there's a lot of. Um, my mom and I look like my mom, yeah. so there's a lot of that stuff going on too. Like she, I think she kind of almost not lives vicariously through me, but she sees me and it's like I'm her, like <laughs> or I'm an embodiment or extension of her, and so that makes it even more, you know, challenging sometimes to be like a different person than my mom. Um, and because people look at me yeah. and they go, "Oh, you're, yeah, oh my gosh," so they just like. <laughs> I mean, I noticed that at a wedding I went to like a couple <laughs> months ago. Like they just looked at both of us and like. Um, but I'm not my mom, right? And yeah. so I'm, or I'm trying. You know, I don't want to play into the same um, ways that she has always thought she had to be. Because I look at my mom, and she's such a leader. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, she eloped when she was really young um, with my dad, and she was going to be a music teacher, and yeah. she didn't finish college. And and then I remember interviewing her once for like a fourth grade book report, like your family mm-hmm. tree. Yeah, yeah. And I remember doing this, and I go. So what were you, then this is how I found out all about all these aspirations that she had that I didn't know. And I said, so why didn't you become a music teacher? Oh, because my life became about my family. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that, you, you like that? She's like, yeah, that's like my world now. It's all about my family, my husband, hmm. and my kids. And I just went, but internally I was like, oh, that kind of stinks. You're, you're, like, you're a fourth grader at this point? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like kind of bothered. I'm like, is yeah. that what, and I remember thinking, like, is this what marriage is? Is this huh. what, mm-hmm. my life is called to be this, and then hmm. I can't dream about other stuff hmm. outside of just becoming the suitable partner to a man and to be a mother. Hmm. And I just felt like, ugh, like, I don't know how I feel about that. And yeah. I think I emailed you both about, I was watching the chef's table thing oh, on yeah, a, yeah. a Korean monk, this female monk, and she was sharing how her father was saying to her, like, you know, a good wife, you know, in order to be a good wife, you have to be able to make seven dishes from straw. And she's <laughs> like, that's, and she got really yeah, angry, yeah, right? Yeah, she got Koreans. so angry. Mm-hmm. And then um, she's like, I'm going to run away to the mountains and live alone. <laughs> and then it's, her father starts crying. He's like, yeah. why would you say that? And yeah. he's like, and then she's like, how can you think like that? And she's yeah. like, I thought the only way I could be free is if I was alone. Hmm. And there's something about that freedom thing that I completely resonated hmm. as a kid, you know? And I remember thinking, yeah, I don't want to be shackled or yeah. handcuffed, you know, yeah. um, to this. It feels like a prison in yeah. a weird way, you know? And so, hmm. and I kind of thought that. Like, I yeah. looked at my mom's life. I'm like, is that what I'm destined to be? Because if it is, I don't know if I want yeah. it, you know? So hmm. that's. I mean, mm-hmm. what I hear you saying in some ways, so correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the challenge isn't necessarily that, so for example, your mom, wasn't wrong to go down that path. Sure. Um, she saw it. At, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of yeah, interpreting yeah, yeah. here, but she saw it and found joy in that. So there's something good to be said sure. for saying, 
you know, maybe you are a, a chef that can make, what is it, seven di- uh, dishes out of straw? <laughs> straw like, ma- like yeah, that. maybe that's like, oh, that, that names my, the whole of my being, and that's who, you know, and how exciting would that be to mm-hmm. serve in that role and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's great, you know, mm-hmm. but to name that as the paradigm for mm-hmm. what everyone ought mm-hmm. to do in all times, all places mm-hmm. is difficult. So part of what, um, I, you know, again, this is psychoanalysis, sure. but um, <laughs> so you being able to say, interview your mom and see the sort of, um, the cultural expectations that mm-hmm. she was confronting and sort of adopted, mm-hmm. you then get to see it in a way that says, oh, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then part of, then that question is, well, then what is me? Right. Who, who am I right. that, that that makes me feel so right. uncomfortable? Right. Um, and so part of maybe your interest in uh, finding out who you are uh-huh. uh, is, is that. Like, how do I then negotiate these various norms, expectations, sure. and find a sense of myself, my right. calling, really? Right. Um, Debbie, what about you? I mean, is that yeah. is that similar to that of, yeah, of no, why I that's totally helpful? Or? It's one of the things that that I've been really thinking about is, for me, marriage growing up, it was really based on fear mm-hmm. and the scarcity model mm-hmm. of there aren't enough people to marry, <laughs> and so Koreans have a very strong emphasis on looks. So you have yeah. to huh. look mm-hmm. the best you can because it is huh. a scarcity model. Mm-hmm. So attract. The, attract the person who's going to take care of you and it's really for me it was based on fear of if you don't have a man you won't have someone to take care of you right Right. and if you don't have someone to take care of you who knows i understand you know korea especially my parents generation they just came out of Mm -hmm. japanese occupation Mm -hmm. korean war extreme poverty so for them it was how do you number one not starve Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. and then how do you actually sustain a a reasonably good life Mm -hmm. and so for them i think marriage was Mm-hmm. about finding security and safety. My mom's, one of her last dying words to me, literally on the deathbed was, I don't worry for your brothers because they're married and they're mm-hmm. men, but I worry for you because you're single. Who's going to take care of you? Mm-hmm. That was one of her last words to me, and mm-hmm. it broke my heart yeah. because I thought, you know, Mom, if you are to see me now, I'm mid-40s, yeah. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's that fear that I feel like drives of mm-hmm. a lot of my friends who have gotten married was based mm-hmm. on that fear of hmm. who's going to take care of me mm-hmm. and how am I going to live? Yeah, I, <laughs> I wouldn't have responded to your mom this way yeah. uh, on her deathbed. But yeah. uh, my immediately thought is mm-hmm. I have two sisters, both of whom have prior marriages. Mm-hmm. Neither of those men mm-hmm. did anything to contribute <laughs> to their well-being mm-hmm. or future state, you know, mm-hmm. and, and both of them had to restart after basically mm-hmm. a delayed uh, life, especially my, my uh, older sister right now. And it's like now she's kind of starting from scratch and didn't get to develop because she moved around with yeah. her husband stuff. Um, and so it actually inhibited her ability mm-hmm. to, to survive in some ways. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I hear in that with your mom, like mm-hmm. obviously she cares about you mm-hmm. and you're thriving and flourishing. Yeah. And in her mind, it was mm-hmm. marriage was the key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what God's been really speaking into my life. So mm-hmm. is it okay if I make this about God? <laughs> yeah. uh, it, I it guess, is, I guess. Yeah, right, you know. there is seminary. It was about learning um, abundance of, mm-hmm. like, abundance by myself mm-hmm. in who I am and God's relationship mm-hmm. with me. I didn't need mm-hmm. a, a man or an adjunct mm-hmm. or a partner yeah. to mm-hmm. find my own whole self mm-hmm. and to recognize God will provide for me mm-hmm. whether there is a man or whether yeah. there isn't a man. And I think mm-hmm. walking through this for the last several, what, 40 years, Mm. has really taught me that of I'm a good person by myself mm-hmm. yeah. God will take care of me mm-hmm. even if I'm alone mm-hmm. and, and what I don't hear and this yeah. is just from prior to when we hit record mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you're talking about uh, another friend who you're what you're going through all the Harry Potter movies with mm-hmm. and stuff. so when you say by yourself and alone you mm-hmm. you don't mean uh, without community or that but yeah. but simply not uh, a spouse mm-hmm. um, arranged so yeah. so in what sense do, have you found mm-hmm. that abundance in relationships but just non-married relationships mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. is that what you're getting at in terms of of how god provides yeah. uh, abundance or flourishing or yeah. yeah you know i think growing up it was always the message of oh you need to find your other half Mm-hmm. And so I was always kind of a half. Yep. Uh, and that whole Jerry Maguire thing would yeah, complete yeah. me. Um, <laughs> and, and then later on, uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Evil. And Dr. Evil. You complete me. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it was always a language, especially like in college, of, yeah, you have to find your other yeah. half and you have to be whole. Mm-hmm. And the journey has been, no, actually, God has made me a whole human being. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't need to complete someone else yeah. and I don't need someone to complete me mm-hmm. and if anybody's going to complete me I think it is that relationship with God mm-hmm. and absolutely I have great community mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so it's and of, you know if I had the option would I be married of course I would be married mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but I don't want to find my sense of worth and identity right. yeah. and purpose yeah. just be, and mm-hmm. missing because I don't have sure. a husband I don't know yeah That's good. and I think to tag to that is um, I think my thing is that I feel like I'm still not seen as an adult because mm-hmm. I'm not married so like it, kind of similarly the yeah. whole half I'm not yeah. fully yet but like I'm also not fully matured yet you know yeah. like yeah. my dad still says like you can come home and I'm not <laughs> home and I'm like dad yeah. you know so his daddy will take care of you because I think there is that I think I should just get angry at my parents because they they just want me to get married because uh, they're trying to control yeah. my life but I realize it's because they genuinely want me to be okay yeah. like I so I realize now as I'm older, like, they do love me. They want me to be secure. They don't want to have to, like, feel like she's just, like, hanging there and not, you know, doesn't have someone there with her. Um, not just even financially, but, like, just emotionally well, and supportive. And as a dad of three daughters, yeah. I, I don't know when I will ever not think of them as like sure. you can come home yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 even yeah, if they're married yeah, and have kids yeah, yeah, or whatever you know oh they still do um, that too yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so. um, but but you're absolutely right i mean that's that is al- always the sort of like yeah. diminutive status that yeah. the, the single person is placed in sure um, in the eyes of especially the church um yeah. i i don't know you know if we just talk about broader american culture mm-hmm. um i think especially on the coasts like in los angeles there's kind of a um, you're a bit odd if you get married young, mm-hmm. um, and so there's. I think there's a little bit more of a, of a uh, an acceptance of someone's mm-hmm. maturity and contribution. Sure. But still, within the church, it is kind of like, well, mm-hmm. you're not quite there yet, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, I guess you can, uh, you know, teach the children or something mm-hmm. like that. But right. but ah, speaking on the weekends, that's kind of mm-hmm. for you know mm-hmm. the adults. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Uh, and it all, you know, it, not all, but this whole project sort of started with that passing conversation with Jen Graffius, right? Where she oh, talks yeah. about getting the wedding invitation mm-hmm. as an adult woman who mm-hmm. didn't live with her parents. Um, and they invited her through her parents, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, uh, invitation. So um, the, the we don't want to have to be super negative, but right. I like some negative sure. things. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so, you know, you mentioned the, the story of your mom a mm-hmm. bit, but... Um, maybe and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's more fun ones that are still mm-hmm. negative, but are there some <laughs> like horror stories that oh, you yeah. said in the, in the in the church specifically? Here's mm-hmm. here are a couple things that's like oh I can't believe this person mm-hmm. actually said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know we live in 2018. How mm-hmm. could you? Maybe maybe you think that implicitly, but to voice it to me, mm-hmm. um, what are what are some of those things you've run into? Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's in the form of like we want to give some helpful tips for like what not to say <laughs> well, what are some of those things you've heard i mean i said some of them early like oh you need to go on a diet oh, you yeah. know like oh, oh. Thought, was that your family or no these are people ch- church oh, these really? are not my family oh, my members goodness. these are I church thought... people that i don't know that well they're just like, like older grandmothers oh. like, you know, you're so pretty but you know go on a diet it's, you know like or like oh, they'll wow. say they say that to yeah. me like in junior high like oh, they goodness. critique my body you know my my birthmark they're like you, you can get rid of that mm-hmm. i can fix that for you mm-hmm. and then one of the worst ones this is in the last five years um i was I was walking through the mall or something. I got re- my mom called me. She's like, "Hey, just so you know." Um, mm-hmm. So I found they there was another family that I had grown up with in yeah. church, and I hadn't seen their kids since like high school or something. But apparently, he lives in LA now, and uh, he's single too, right? Yeah. Then their parents they saw me at church one day at Christmas time, and they're like, "Oh, she's is she is she married? Like, <laughs> is she married?" It's like, "Oh!" So they got real excited, and then I didn't know this, but yeah. apparently, my mother gave the father of this guy no. my phone number, no. right? <laughs> so I'm sitting at work oh, here at Fuller, no. and then eight o'clock in the morning, my phone's going off, and I'm in a meeting, and I just I don't respond. And I get the voicemail. I was like, hello, this is so-and-so's father. And Oh, know, his I father called you. Father yeah. calls me, and I call my mom, and I was like, what did you do? And so this is within the last five years, you know? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you guys can just decide. Like, it's like arranged marriages or something. We can just, like, it was just embarrassing, and it's like, it was just Because weird. it's a reflection on your parents. Yeah. It's like a communal mindset. Yeah. I didn't raise my daughter right. Right. And so if she's still single, it's embarrassing to me yeah and hmm. so she didn't deny him she just handed him yeah. over them but then she felt bad after where yeah. she really because he was getting a little too pushy and it's like yeah. you know what and i think she even lied she said, oh yeah she has a boyfriend so like i'm sorry we didn't want to yeah, yeah wait a minute now. so like <laughs> if, they, if they assume a woman at 
your age, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't they assume the same thing about him? Be like, what's, what's right. wrong with this guy? He's right. still single. I don't want you calling my daughter. Right, like, right, I, you right, know, right, right. There's got to be something. <laughs> but no, yeah. no, it, you just both were single mm-hmm. in a city of 15 million or how right. many like, million people. I had not run into probably, this person yeah. once, I don't think so. But I just thought it was like one of those, like, oh, gosh, like, I have to deal with okay, that. Okay, so note to self, don't give uh, phone numbers out to yeah. the daughters or to the fathers of possible suitors. Yeah, it was good. bizarre. That's good. Yeah. So, um, but I also like, you know, I want to be, you know, I think because I've seen a lot of negative things yeah. in my family with my dad and my mom and, you know, and other mm-hmm. families too were mm-hmm. like, like where I was feeling like, oh, is this like a shackle prison kind mm-hmm. of thing? But then also, and then I think people have gently reminded me like, you know, not all men are like that <laughs> or like not all yeah. partnerships yeah. are like yeah. that. So to be open to yeah. that too. And I think because that's been a fear like that mm-hmm. I'm going to be like. It's like this whole like held hostage yeah. to this thing that maybe it could be very different. And so try to be open to that. So I want to see it. Like, is that a possibility too? Mm-hmm. you know, and is that something I'm open to? And so that's something I'm so grappling you, with. Do you think, I mean, thinking along those lines, the more sort of positive route, yeah. sort of like naming the, I mean, because everybody from every different cultural situation or unique family or church, we all have inherited messiness, right? Because mm-hmm. we're people. Um, but we still want to sort of um, <laughs> think positively or be constructive about it um, in, in terms of, you know, whether we commit lifelong to being single um, mm-hmm. or hope for a spouse one day or, mm-hmm. or not. Um, as you then think about how you kind of lead, because uh, both of you are in either explicit and, and formal leadership roles mm-hmm. in, in various times or not. Um, and then I've seen both of you kind of mentor younger women, mm-hmm. um, younger people in general, but then specifically women. How do you think about the way you navigate those different things? So you're bringing all of these kind of inherited differences to the mm-hmm. table um, as you then think through what's my role with other women, um, whether they're single or not, mm-hmm. in terms of helping them kind of walk through some of these same issues. Hmm. I think marriage sometimes is a, is a matter of identity. Hmm. It's like if you're married for whatever reason, at least from, you know, friends that I, they're worried, my friends are worried that I might be gay. Hmm. Hmm. That's that's the explicit And these question. are all friends or these are your married Many friends? Many of my married yeah, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, Debbie, I think it's a choice for you. I think you're not married because we, hmm. you know, if you're gay, it's okay. You can tell us. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, if, if I'm gay, I'm sure you'll accept me <laughs> yeah. as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell them, no, it's, it's kind of right now it is a choice. If I was gay, I'm sure you would accept me, and I'd be totally okay with that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something wrong with me in the sense that I'm not married, and that and they're unhappy sometimes, it feels like, that I'm content with being single, mm-hmm. and that I don't find anything really wrong with it. Mm-hmm. To their eyes, they always feel like there is something wrong. Mm-hmm. And so um, if, if I show an interest in someone, they're very excited that mm-hmm. I'm interested in a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it is a matter of identity to them. Hmm. There's something of a, a level of worth or mm-hmm. just fully functioning human being yeah, that's associated right. with marriage mm-hmm. and having and having children. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things that I've been really kind of trying to speak with people who are younger is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your identity doesn't come from who you marry. It really does come from who God says you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how is what is He naming in your life? And what is it? What are the gifts he's calling forth? Mm-hmm. You can find your worth and your value in that. Mm-hmm. Don't run to marriage or to some other human being mm-hmm. to try to find some kind of value for your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think has been the big, uh, big learning point for myself, and then mm-hmm. what I've been trying to mentor in others as well. Especially because mm-hmm. I mean, what a letdown marriage would be if <laughs> you're yeah. expecting it to deliver you that identity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we, I, you know, that's why I don't find it all that surprising that so many people end up like being unhappy or mm-hmm. having, you know, their expectations dashed because it's like, well, what what relationship is going to fulfill you right. ultimately like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, right. there are fulfilling elements of, of any relationship, a healthy one. Um, but yeah, then to foist upon it like, oh, you now, this mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. is going to fulfill everything <laughs> that, right. that I need in terms of, of being fully me mm-hmm. um, is such a, a unrealistic sort of expectation. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it similar for yeah, you? Yeah, very or? similar. I mean, I, I remember having a younger woman that I was kind of, um, you know, kind of hanging with a lot. And I remember she would come to me crying like because mm-hmm. she would like pine after certain guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and then she'd look at me and be like, but Marsha, who wouldn't want you? And I'm like... I'm single though, like I'm okay and you're okay and it's okay, right? And she's like, so I think 
I was like, oh, like, because I am actually not in a relationship where, like, and then, I, but it it was weird to me that she thought I was different from her. Like, mm. and I was like, no, but we're in the same situation. Mm. It's okay. I'm just, like, 20 years older than you, but, <laughs> you know, it's like, but, yeah, I think just to, I think a lot of, it's still, even these brilliant women who come to mm-hmm. even seminary, I, mm. they're still, like, looking for a mate, you know, mm. like, or a spouse, and, you know, I feel like there's more to you than just who you end up being partnered with. So I don't know. It's just, yeah. I just, I, I, I see really amazing women doing stuff. Like Debbie's one right here. I was like thinking of women in my life who, yeah. like I see, she goes to, you know, Hawaii and teaches for weeks at a time. <laughs> and then like, I'm thinking of like people like Miguel Guan, mm-hmm. who's like the director of MFT here. Like mm-hmm. really amazing single women mm-hmm. who are doing really cool things. Um, I don't know if you know Jana Louie of University. Mm-hmm. She's, She's been doing these get-togethers mm-hmm. like that just happened this weekend, one where they get together. It's called Venn Diagram. She's with University. Oh. And my pastor just went, he's like, yo, do you know who Jana is? I'm like, of course I do. She's like, huh. she's like spearheading these events where like people talk about Asian American identity mm-hmm. and stuff. And I mean, she's a single, newly ordained pastor now. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's phenomenal that sh- these people are like doing really cool so that, that's things. great because yeah. part of what you're naming here is um you know that <laughs> i've said it probably on every uh episode of the podcast that the original title that the both of you knew of this book was sex saints and singleness mm-hmm. um and uh, m- partly because it was a little more you know scintillating but right. it didn't mean anything people were like what but the saints part was really important to me because at least uh, as i see it one thing that protestants don't have are these models right mm-hmm. these examples where you go oh that's what it looks like, and that's how I can I I can flourish. I can mm-hmm. be whole. I can contribute really in, in meaningful ways. And you're basically naming that. Like here mm-hmm. are the here are the unnamed mm-hmm. folks that are doing this, and it seems like we need to find some ways to do that more. To mm-hmm. like hold those people's story, hold the two of your stories up, mm-hmm. and say here's here are the Marshas and the Debbies and the you said it was Janet Janet Jana. Jana. Uh-huh. Um, who are are making amazing contributions to the kingdom, to people's yeah. lives. Um, is is that the, the primary sort of source of hope that you find, mm-hmm. um, both for yourself and then for those coming after you? Mm-hmm. Um, or are there other resources that you're saying, yeah, this actually makes me pretty hopeful for mm-hmm. kind of where we're going as a church, um, where I'm going as an individual in my calling? Mm-hmm. Um, are there others besides naming people? Or is it primarily people that you're seeing? I guess for me, yeah, people. Like, I just see them. And I'm yeah. like, oh, and I'm hearing about them. Like, oh, I mean, Janice spoke at missiology lectures mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. too. So I'm like, oh, look at this. Like, and this, like, it just, because it, it just came up to me on Sunday. Like, he's like, do you know this person? And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally know this person. And so, like, she's a single woman, thriving, doing really interesting creative things in ministry, especially in light of, like, our current, you know, political and <laughs> what's going on in our nation. And so it's cool that these some these women are getting together and just like forging something new and i just think that's really encouraging for someone mm-hmm. like me like oh okay there's other people who are all in, in this together mm-hmm. and so yeah it's just yeah i'd love to see more books <laughs> more <laughs> books written by women or yeah yeah, yeah. sure or I guess by single people um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in general. What about you, Debbie? Is there, are there things that are uniquely encouraging right now as opposed to simply people, random strangers coming and saying you could mm-hmm. lose some weight? Or you know, <laughs> uh, are there things that encourage you that, mm-hmm. that, that the community is doing that you go, yeah, let's, let's do more of that? Mm-hmm. It's encouraging to watch my family mm-hmm. and watch them learning to just accept me and my situation. Mm-hmm. I so my dad will once in a while throw in, "Oh, are you seeing anyone?" You know, mm-hmm. but they've learned to really respect and mm-hmm. uh, understand just my contentment and to mm-hmm. have gratitude for me without even if I don't have kids in a family. Mm-hmm. You know, I do mourn the fact yeah. that I don't have children. I probably will never have kids, mm-hmm. and the fact that I don't have the burden of them constantly harassing me about when are you going to get married mm. so the, even the, watching them change has mm-hmm. been a real encouragement mm. for me in my mm-hmm. kind of little macro world mm-hmm. yeah and i'm sure if it's happening for me it's happening for others so do you um with that in mind and you two knowing me um i am a a male who is married and has kids mm-hmm. right <laughs> so i'm like the the thing that that supposedly is what everyone's supposed to do right mm-hmm. um and whether or not i was forced into this relationship mm-hmm. i don't know but mm-hmm. i love my wife we have a great relationship and um, love my kids uh, and and very happy that i'm married and have kids um, but then i have so many good friends that are single and i learned so much from 
and I'm realizing in every uh, sort of field or, or realm that I go into how blind I am by these sort of norms as well. Even though I um, aligned with all of those expectations, mm -hmm. um, I can't see things rightly. So I wonder if, if you could just say a bit about, if you're thinking about someone like me, and I could, you can just say it's me, Cutter, you don't have to blame all mm -hmm. you know <laughs> married men, um, but what is it that, that you think I, I most um, struggle to see about what your experience is um, that, that would be helpful for me to know, would be helpful for others like me to know? That's Sorry, if it was my dad, it'd be easier. I mean, that actually, that's fine. I mean, I, yeah. I, I guess I was thinking it'd be easier if you just blamed me for these things. But, yeah, but, if, really. but if you have more in mind a, a, another person that you're like, man, mm -hmm. this is something that, mm -hmm. whether because he's male or because he's married or whatever, that sure. he just can't see the world oh, through what, what your experience is because he doesn't mm -hmm. feel it inside kind of mm -hmm. like you do. Mm -hmm. um, how, what is it that you wish that he could see that, that mm -hmm. he can't? I don't know what it is that I want you to see, but I there's something that I would want it's a feeling I suppose it's um, that that I hope my married friends could understand mm. is it, it is a feeling of marginalization mm. and they're not they're not malicious people they don't do it on purpose and once you get married you create your own little lingo mm -hmm. um, and it is jargon for the married person mm -hmm. and oftentimes there is a certain level of marginalization mm. that they're not trying to do yeah. it just naturally happens yeah. and so with someone like me I feel distanced by it even they're supposed to be my closest friends and mm. so I, I feel it's even worse because they are such good friends mm. to feel that kind of I don't know being pushed out hmm. inadvertently. Mm -hmm. uh, and so then I have a tendency to want to just pull back. Huh. Okay. And I have really wise friends who then decide they're just going to take me out individually and we have we hmm. hang out one-on-one. Hmm. -on -one. Um, so I don't know what the remedy for that is, <laughs> right. and I don't have any wisdom on that, but I do wish that my, my fairy, married friends would understand that that's kind of what I'm feeling. Hmm is I'm in a room full of six couples and they're all talking about oh, house yeah. renovations and <laughs> sending children to the school mm -hmm. and getting ready for college. Mm -hmm. And none of that is in the daily purview mm -hmm. of my life. Mm -hmm. None of it is barely remotely a part of my daily schedule. And so I often sit in silence. Mm -hmm. And it's not... And I, and I distance myself not because I don't like them or I think sure. their life is dumb. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, if I could, I would be married and yeah. love to be part of that conversation, but mm -hmm. it's just uncomfortable. So mm -hmm. I think just for my married friends to have that in mind, mm -hmm. that I'm not mm -hmm. trying to push them away sure. or, you know, yeah. trying to make myself special or something. I, I mean, I think that's actually super helpful uh, for mm -hmm. me anyway. Mm -hmm. um, Marsha, yeah. any, any yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I actually intentionally, I just realized I also have a lot of freedom as a single person. So I will intentionally go and I will drive long distances to be with my friends with kids and stuff like that. I realize I don't do well with it if there's a lot of them. If it's just one family, I can yeah. hang. You know what I mean? If it's just, um, but yeah, I think like sometimes at church, like I'm in this weird space where like most of my friends, like my actual peers, like around my age, they all have really small children right now. Hmm. So if I'm going to go hang out with them, I actually have to go to the infant toddler ministry yeah. room and just sit with them yeah. on the floor mm -hmm. if I actually want to connect to my friends. Otherwise, I'll sit in service and I'm like, everyone's like 20, 30 something year old. You know, like I'm just kind of sitting there. Um, but I don't like... You know, I always feel, I feel for the married peoples too, you know, because it's like, you know, events are at night, you know, like, oh, yeah. and then some of my friends were like, oh, let me guess, they were all either uh, newly married people with no kids or just single people. I'm like, that's true. And then I realize that there's like other ways that you guys are hindered too, so, but, um, I appreciate that. Thank no, you. No, no, because I actually, I so, because I'm older too, so I yeah. see like, oh, my married friends have a hard time. It's not yeah. like they enjoy like yeah. always mm -hmm. just being with their kids and stuff. Like my sister, she was ecstatic to get away from her yeah. her children and come out for a weekend here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it's lonely sometimes, yeah. you know, and I think there's like to recognize yeah. that. And there's only a certain couple people I can talk to sometimes about yeah. my specific specific uh, circumstances. Debbie's yeah. one of them, right? Like, yeah. She gets it, like, on a yeah. level. But what did you call that one? Uh, in Not integrated, the fam family time or something? I was talking about... Oh, yeah, family what, time. Family time. So. Yeah, like, sometimes you just need to kick it with people like you. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I just want to be with another Korean. Yeah. 
women or women or like yeah. and just it's okay like yeah. i think that's okay well yeah and that's the, the you know the kids thing is really weird too i mean that's the sort of other element yeah. of the marriage thing mm-hmm. especially in churches that is always play and i have yet i mean we have relatively small kids i have yet to figure out quite yet how to how to navigate not just uh like group meetings with other families but or with with single people, but other people at all mm-hmm. of like even down to like okay, you bring your kids too. Now do our kids get along? Do they right, have similar right, like right. nap times? And so so much of my life naturally and obviously has to be dictated by them. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. I'm like, well, if I was a single person, I wouldn't want to be in a small mm-hmm. group with Cutter because <laughs> like right, right, right. it always has to be on their timing or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, or you do have to go to the like you know. And I'll do it if, that, if yeah. that's the only time I can see my yeah. friends. I'm gonna drive yeah. out like an hour and a half and go hang out with them because that's the only time yeah. I'm gonna get time. Well, and part of it, what's interesting hearing you talk. One, I really appreciate Marcia your intentionality of like visiting me in my office, for mm-hmm. example, because yeah. like I don't because I have to be the time I do have to work I have to be like pretty rigid and structured because my other time is I gotta be a dad right um, and so it's meaningful for me for you like you know you go around you're like hey you know and you bother me in a good way like you come by and just unannounce say hey what's up yeah. and that's I need that that's very helpful for me because mm-hmm. um, otherwise I would just you know be in my lane and not talk to anybody um, but part of that requires, interestingly, you having a realistic understanding of marriage. Again, mm-hmm. like you, you're not, you're not approaching me as someone who like has it all because he's right. married. You have the uh, ability to see and be empathetic in that way. I think only because you have a good vision of what marriage really is, mm-hmm. um, both for good and for ill. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I mean, um, what I need to do is be able to empathize with the kind of deep and aching loneliness that can come with singleness. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for my single friends to recognize the utter exhaustion. I know, my friends envy (laughs) me. They're like, oh, it must be so nice. (laughs) But but still, I'm like, and it's not a trade-off. Like, would I trade the exhaustion for love? Well, no, I wouldn't get rid of my kid. Mm -hmm. So that's not, but we we do that like all the time. And so somehow how we getting together and even just being in rooms like this saying, sharing of like, yeah, man, I just, I'm lonely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm just exhausted. I can't even mm-hmm. think about being lonely because I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. But when I lay down exhausted, mm-hmm. I, my wife's next to me. You know, right. like these are the things that, we, that we're that we struggling with. So mm-hmm. I've just really appreciated that about both of you in terms of how you seem to be really intentional about not only who you are and how you lead, but then how you connect with um, both people who are similar to you, who are mm-hmm. single, um, and those who aren't. Um, it's been really sort of life-giving for me, um, even just around this project. I mean, it's just a simple yeah. little thing that we're doing. Um, and I've learned so much about it that I don't think I otherwise would have ever anticipated. Yeah, I think it's started because you and I, we used to be co, like, we used to work across the hall from each other. And we just yeah. talk about stuff <laughs> as, like, you know, during the day. We're like, da 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 And then, hey, you want to write for some of them? Like, oh. No. Like, it was just so natural. It was organic because it came out of friendship, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I think that's cool. We know each other. Everybody mm-hmm. knows each other who worked on this. And just another thought is, you know, now I'm entering into a season of life where my friends have been married for 20 mm-hmm. years or so, mm-hmm. and then now they're getting divorced. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's a different kind yeah. of, now I have friends who are mm. coming to me and asking about singleness. Yeah. And yeah. So it's it's mm. an interesting circle yeah. of life that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I realize, and I'm getting a little philosophical, like loneliness is kind of an existential human problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Whether you're married. I remember totally. Laura Harbert once said to me, she said, Debbie, loneliness isn't solved by marriage. She mm-hmm. said, sometimes at night when I'm sleeping and my husband is next to me, she says, I feel so alone, mm-hmm. especially because the person who's supposed to be the closest mm-hmm. in my life is so distant, even yeah. though he's only a couple feet away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, it's it. And yeah. if we look to marriage to solve that kind yeah. of existential mm-hmm. loneliness, mm-hmm. they were going to be sore, yeah. sorely yeah. disappointed. Yeah. Um, what I've heard from all of our contributors and folks who have talked is, is this emphasis on sort of family and community as one of the greatest offerings of the church in the modern world um, Mm -hmm. because it's a human condition loneliness is and it's uniquely a sort of late modern western condition like Mm -hmm. we're oddly fragmented and lonely in a time Mm -hmm. when we should be more connected and have the tools to be more connected than ever before we're so uh, riddled with with loneliness Mm -hmm. Um, and yet what is it that the people of God offer to the world, mm-hmm. like a family, right? Mm-hmm. Like here, come be a part of us. Um, mm-hmm. We will love you like a brother and a sister and a daughter. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And man, we miss that if we say everyone has to be mm-hmm. 
cook seven meals. What is it? Seven <laughs> dishes out of yeah, strong. like that's the whole and of who you she's are. A cook. Yeah, yeah she's a chef, a cook, and yeah. it's like she makes all these amazing yeah. meals for all these yeah. like monks. <laughs> Not only do you have to be a chef, but you have to be a very specific yeah. kind of chef. Um, that seems to be the messaging to a society and to a world that really is is desperate for community and connection. Mm-hmm. And man, we've got the resources. We just need to sort of rethink how it is we we mm-hmm. think about ourselves first, mm-hmm. and then present ourselves mm-hmm. um, to each other and to the world. So kind of a final thought then, uh, what would be, if we've talked about the stories we've inherited, mm-hmm. what then would be that story about singleness, about marriage that you'd want to pass on? You've, you've touched on it a little bit already, but but if you're going to say, here's kind of the takeaway I would want people um, uh, from, from your thoughts, but then also just that narrative um, as we begin kind of recasting that story we tell about marriage, mm-hmm. what, what would that be like? So I have six nephews. Oh. Yeah. And oh. they, they've been waiting for me to get married so I could have a daughter and a girl in <laughs> the family. So there are no nieces? No on nieces the, oh, wow. They're all nephews. All, wow. Yeah. And uh, two of them are in college, so we've been talking a lot about, you know, they're right at that dating age, and they're, you know, they're, one of them is seeing a girlfriend, and, and they, they talk about marriage in a certain way, which really reflects more of what their parents are talking about hmm. marriage, which mm-hmm. is that very traditional Korean yeah. mentality. And... Uh, and so I've been telling them, especially the, the oldest nephew that I'm closest with, is, listen, you know, marriage is not about, uh, you don't marry just because you want to make mom and dad happy, mm-hmm. which is oftentimes the Korean dialogue. Mm-hmm. And don't try to marry, uh, he said, oh, I'm going to marry, like, Miss Korea. <laughs> and it's this desire that parents implant into younger Korean men about marrying the perfect woman mm-hmm. who won't bring shame to the family. Right. Yeah. And I said, you know, a woman is not a tool to use. Mm-hmm just so you can make mom and dad happy, Mm. right? And I said, you know, and it's this whole thing that I've been talking about for the past hour of, you know, and Joshua, don't get married because, don't don't marry someone because you think it's the right thing to do Mm. or you want to honor mom and dad. And don't ever use the woman, you know, you... You bring two holes together and mm-hmm. ask God to bless that union mm-hmm. so that you can help each other grow. Mm-hmm. And I said, marriage is not a perfect thing. It's not going to solve everything. Mm-hmm. So these conversations that I have with my nephews are all birthed from my 40 years of yeah. kind of living in, and struggling with people criticizing me for being mm-hmm. single. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, yeah, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. that I actually have a witness and a testimony. Mm-hmm. Now I'm passing to my nephews. Mm-hmm. My, my brother thinks that I'm a little bit too liberal for my own good. But, <laughs> yeah. And by liberal meaning you're about okay marriage. with being single. Yeah, and, but, yeah exactly. Yeah. Huh. exactly. Wow. Yeah. I think like, as I'm thinking about Asian American women specifically who are single, mm-hmm. that I've seen in my life, Debbie included, like there's just a deep well and like mm-hmm. of like strength and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I'm... It, it's nothing really like specific, but I just, I just get this deep sense of like, there's this depth, and like mm. I just see, I see a well, and all these women who are just like, kind of like, all kind of like, not all that know each other, but I, I, that I've seen in my life, and just have seen that give me encouragement, and like, um, kind of help support me when I'm feeling like, uh, like I can, I know I can go to Debbie, I can go to Miko, mm. I can, you know, like just yeah. these people who have just really cared for me and then kind of paved the way because you know they're like older sisters to me and so I don't know I just I think I point to those people and like see they're here you know Mm. we're here like and I think as you know as more people you know this book will help and I think other you know resources like that you know we're around as we create more venues and events Mm. and like ways that we're trying to innovate and like create things Mm -hmm. that are gonna really bring I I mean and this is a God thing but like yeah this is a new way to like approach God as single Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and like to care for others and to be leaders in that too Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Um, so in a sense it's a story of of people's lives yeah Uh, and there's like a legacy you know there's like this like I see this like trail of people like going Mm -hmm. before me and after you know I just see this like continuum kind of happening and so it's kind of vague and weird, but yeah. I just I get mental no, images in my head. I'm like, oh, that's it's like uh, it's like the great cloud of witnesses. Yeah, that, you know yeah, yeah, that yeah. Uh, that you're yeah. inherited and contributing to yeah. in a lot of ways. I that's, saw that in my aunt early yeah. on. You know, when she was like a seminary student living huh. with me, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. who is this woman who'd read us huh. Bible stories? You know, and she was single at the time. You know, mm-hmm. and people yell at her, "Why aren't you married yet?" And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, and she just laugh at them. And then she did get married, but I never. She's always had that spirit, right? Like, I can do this. Thanks once again to my special guests, Debbie Yu and Marsha Lee. Cause all I got is love. See all I got are words.
And as always, thanks to Day Salad Thompson for providing us with these sweet musical stylings. Sweet shadow